don't have to look all that far to find increased and major gifts. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Melissa Banks-Stepno. Melissa is the Director of Analytics and Business Consulting Services for Blackboard, and I had the privilege of witnessing Melissa's presentation at the AFP International Conference, where she provided good practical advice on how to use our donor database to find people who can make an increase or a major gift. Melissa, thanks so much for being with us on the Fundraising Schools podcast. And thanks so much for inviting me, Bill. Help us understand your work at Blackboard. Sure. So I lead our analytics and business consulting services team. Uh, we're a team of project managers, data analysts, statisticians, and consultants that work directly with our clients on a whole range of analytics products and services, uh, from data health services to benchmarking. Most applicable to our conversation today is a group of predictive modeling and wealth screening tools that we have specifically designed to help organizations better identify their most likely prospects to make different types of gifts, in this case, major gifts. And there are so many ways that nonprofits can do that. We can talk to our board members and ask them, who do they know? We can talk to our donors and ask them, who do they know? People are using digital media more and more to find those major gifts. But right there in our donor database can be prospects for increased and major gifts. I guess as a way to sort of get into this topic, Melissa, obviously our good friends at AFP thought that this was a big enough issue and not happening often enough that they brought in a national expert like yourself uh, to provide this presentation. It may seem obvious to some folks, but again, it seems not enough nonprofits are pursuing these opportunities within their own donor database. It's so true. And I would encourage organizations and fundraisers to continue doing the things that you mentioned, Bill, like talking to their board members, talking to program managers and others that are directly interacting with their constituency and talking to their donors as well. But I think you're leaving a lot on the table if that's where you stop. And that's where analytics can really help play a role to take a more data driven approach to finding the hidden gems within your database. You know, we've all heard the story of the elderly uh, retired school teacher who leaves a million dollars and who knew that she or he even had that type of wealth to give. Uh, that's great, but that's a planned gift that happens after somebody passes on, typically speaking. Um, in this case, we have the opportunity to better identify those that might be very low dollar donors or perhaps just uh, constituents that are non-donors that have a passion for your mission and with an appropriate level of cultivation and relationship building may make that million dollar gift too. We just have to find them first. And that's really the key point. Now you use this phrase, predictive modeling, sounds fancy, sounds official, but you really are able to break this down into some practical steps. Where does a fundraiser start with their donor database to be able to predict the possibility of an increased or a major gift from a particular donor? I'm going to answer that, but I actually want to back up first because predictive modeling does sound fancy and official, and it is, but it's not as scary as it might sound. In fact, every one of the listeners today has probably been the, I'll call it, recipient of a predictive model in their own lives. Uh, anyone who subscribes to a streaming video service or purchases products online from companies like Amazon, uh, retailers are really great at using predictive models to help drive up purchase patterns amongst their customer base, or in the case of streaming services, keep you watching longer. Um, it's the same concept, but applied to fundraising. So the most effective predictive models uh, are basically behavioral patterning activities that have already occurred within your database. 
looking at those within an organization's database who've already made a major gift, understanding who they are through, through statistics, excuse me, uh, using both data collected by the nonprofit, such as task giving, address, uh, if you're an uh, educational organization, maybe that's alumni information. If you're an arts organization, maybe that's subscriber information, as well as bringing in external data that can help us uh, better understand who those individuals are. And this, all of this data, um, I'm going to oversimplify this, but think of it like a gigantic Excel spreadsheet with all of the constituents in a database and maybe thousands of different rows of individual data points um, and that's analyzed by a statistician to produce a model that says who has been your best donor in the past, what do they look like, and what common characteristics do they share together, and then who else in your database looks just like them. That's the same technology that companies like those streaming services are using to suggest movies, Amazon's using to suggest products, uh, we're just doing it for fundraising purposes instead. Um, it does require a statistician or a data analyst to help you along. And that's something that you could either do in-house at your offices or you could partner with an external firm um, to do that as well. I always talk about how the person who keeps that donor database and analyzes the donor database in many ways is the most important person on the fundraising team. Yes, we need our gift officers meeting with donors, of course. We need a good leadership and a great plan, but information is the currency of fundraising and the person really taking a close look uh, at that donor database and help us understand how the data are talking to us is such a central position. Melissa, what are some of the internal data points that we can be looking at uh, when looking into that donor database for the possibilities of increase in major gifts? Well, of course, we're going to want to look at past giving patterns. That's always one of the most, most predictive elements within any database. Uh, and it's the typical things that we're probably familiar with. How recent has somebody given? How frequently have they given? What are the dollars that they've already been given? But I just wanna pause there for a moment because don't be fooled. You, have, you probably do have $100 donors in your database, $50 donors in your database that, that have the potential to make five, six, even seven figure gifts if they're identified. So it's part of the story, it's not the entire story. Um, as I said, location can often play a role depending on the organization and their, uh, and their mission and their scope of, of service, as well as anything that helps us understand the engagement level that a constituent has with an organization. And that's going to be different depending on sector. I gave some examples earlier for higher ed that might be alumni status or activities that they were involved with as a student. Did they come to reunion? Arts and cultural organizations, maybe that's patterns of attendance or membership. Uh, if you're working for a healthcare organization, there are a few fields that are HIPAA compliant that you can use, but you want to make sure you're working with your compliance officers to assure that you're uh, abiding by HIPAA regulations. Um, social service organizations, maybe that's volunteering. Um, so it's it's uh, anything that you have that is cataloged cleanly. And Bill, you mentioned this earlier, that data that is in a in an organization's database is critical but we wanna make sure it's clean. Clean data is really the foundation for any good data analysis project. Really need to have that good information in, it needs to be consistent and usable. And as Melissa describes this process, um, one of the many examples that I've been associated with, I was on a board uh, that uh, of a nonprofit that quadrupled its annual fund by doing wow. exactly what Melissa is talking about right now, looking at existing donors, looking at their behavior, doing some wealth screening and identifying who we should meet with in person. And in about 18 to 24 months, 
the annual fund increased fourfold. So this is the type of work uh, that we need to do to use our existing donor databases with other information, as Melissa stated, uh, to be able to find those increased and major gifts. Melissa, in terms of timing, is this happening weekly? Do we do this kind of once a year because it's a big, deep dive? And again, at the fundraising school, we serve nonprofits of various different sizes with various different levels of capacity. What's the timing of this work to, to help us do this type of strategizing for increased and major gifts? Well, it does depend somewhat on the sector that an organization's in and their size and level of sophistication. Uh, I work with some organizations that are the super big nonprofits that we could all think of across the country that have in-house experts that are analyzing data like this on a daily or a weekly basis. Uh, that is overkill for a small uh, for a small nonprofit with limited staff and limited budget, quite frankly. In those cases, once a year is more than sufficient. And I would also think really critically about what your most pressing needs are. Is it driving towards major gifts? Is it driving towards annual giving? Is it the retention of current donors? Are you trying to bring non-donors in your constituency uh, base to become donors so that you can build them into major donors over time? Uh, because the question that you ask of a predictive model is, probably the second most important thing to clean data, you need to make sure you're, you're analyzing for the right outcome as well. And when we think about those outcomes and that purpose, Melissa, there may be this type of a work for annual fund. Do we then do this again and separately for our comprehensive campaign or is it the same process for both? It's the same process. Again, it's a different question though. So I'll give you two examples here. If we're building a predictive model on annual giving, who's likely to give to an organization in the next 12 months? What we really wanna do is build that model on any person who has given to that organization in the previous 12 months. What do they look like? Build the model, project out who looks like them. If we're working on something like a comprehensive capital campaign or a major giving program in general, then we wanna narrow the pool and we wanna look at specifically individuals who have given at the dollar level that we're seeking to obtain. Maybe that's $1,000 if you're a small organization just getting started with larger gifts. Maybe that's $10,000 or $100,000. Maybe it's a million dollars if you're working on a billion dollar campaign like we know some of our larger uh, organizations are doing. And again, in that case, we're just going to be looking at the donors who have done that in the past. Maybe we'll go back a little bit further. Maybe we'll look back three years instead of just one year to get a larger population to model against. And again, we just encourage nonprofits fundraise in your context. If you're small to yes. medium size, it's going to be one approach. If you're larger, it's going to be a different approach. But the concept is the same, using these data of donor behavior and other things we know about donors uh, to try to predict who could be ready for us to ask them for an increase or a major gift. Melissa, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, though, too, can I use this to increase new donors in my annual fund? If, I, if I'm doing predictive modeling, am I finding out kind of who is my quote-unquote typical donor and that you know, by demographics, and then that helps me find new donors, or am I going down a different pathway here? You could use it for donor acquisition outside of your database, but I think it's most effective when we're looking within the current database and the current constituency pool that an organization has, but it can go much broader than just annual and major giving like we've been talking about. You could do it for something like uh, a conversion model. So for instance, let's use the arts organization as an example where you have ticket buyers, you have members that are coming through the museum door or subscribing to a, to a theater season 
who have never become donors and you want to identify the ones who are most likely to convert into becoming a donor. Grateful patient uh, programs are pretty similar to that as well. Alums who have never given. Um, you could also do it for things like who's the most likely pool of individuals who would become a sustainer or monthly giving uh, donor to your organization so that you can target specific communication and appeals to those who are already giving, but more likely to become those monthly donors. So again, really identifying what problem it is that you're trying to solve and making sure you have the data to back it up is the, is the core tenant of uh, building a model. And then really the sky's the limit on what you can build a model about. And Melissa, if I'm understanding you correctly, I can tailor this. There's no one size fits all in predictive Absolutely modeling. Not. Is that correct? In fact, I, I say the most effective models are not one size fits all. They need to be very purposeful. And you're looking at donor behavior. You're looking at the data associated with the engagement that the person has outside of their charitable giving with your nonprofit organization, other information that you have about them. Wealth screening, of course, is part of this. You can do some of this internally. If you're larger and more sophisticated, you bring in a statistician who can help you analyze as well. But the bottom line, Melissa, right, is that we can have increased and major gift donors right here already in our nonprofit organization if we just listen to the data. Absolutely. And the biggest key there is to listen to the data and to take action on the data. Unfortunately, I've worked with too many organizations who have gone through a predictive modeling process, looked at the data and said, oh, that's interesting. And then they've gone back to do everything the same way that they've done in the past, just talking to their board members, just looking at past giving patterns. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but the predictive model and the results of it really provide you with a much more powerful way to expand that major giving donor pool. And then it's up to the organization to take action and to do that whole art of fundraising and relationship building and cultivation that will hopefully result in a successful solicitation. Melissa Banks-Stepno is the Director of Analytics and Business Consulting Services for BlackBob. And you can see why her workshop at the AFP International Conference was so well attended as she takes what could be very complex in terms of data analytics and boils this down in very practical action steps for fundraisers interested in cultivating increased and major gifts. This is the type of information we teach in our public courses at the Fundraising School that are in-person in more locations more often and continue to have a strong presence online. So you can take our courses in person or recorded online, virtual online in the United States and anywhere across the world. We also have custom training where we can tailor our curriculum exactly for your needs, either a whole course as is, or a little bit of different courses, or we even talk to our research people and can create content for your nonprofit, your region, your association. Again, anywhere in the US or internationally, we have our quarterly webinars and these free podcasts, all of which are available online at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Thanks to our guest today, Melissa Banks-Stepno. Our producers today are Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the Fundraising School. Mm -hmm.